Testing. Welcome back to a little mid-June character concerns. Jay Binkley, my man, Chris Unocero. Chris, time flies when you're having fun. And right now, we're waiting for football. So it goes pretty slow until football starts. Yeah, it's kind of tough right now. Because right now, I mean, there's there's it's really just baseball that's going on. NBA just finished. NHL just finished. And the Royals aren't very good at baseball right now. So no? it's not like we're having a lot of fun following the team or anything. So, yeah, it's a whole like like right now you're getting a lot of recruiting news coming out in, in the college world. Uh, I know my Florida Gators just moved up to number three in the in the college recruiting, you know, college class rankings for 2024. So I'm excited about that for now. For now. I mean, we'll, I, I, I still think they're good. I still I think they're going to be top ten, um, you know, their class is already really great, but still, like, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, and we're not seeing a whole lot in front going on here until camp starts next month for for these teams. So, uh, it, it's not a whole lot really happening right now, but we're pretty damn close to some exciting things happening in the world of oh, college. We're getting close to the camps being open and stuff like that. I know we we didn't we didn't have this to talk about, but what's funny is you bring up recruiting. And with the transfer portal and what it's doing, like it's making you win quickly. Yeah. Because it's replaced the whole JUCO system. Like, let's go out and get the JUCO guys. Because you can always tell the coaches they're on a hot seat. They'd be hitting the, the JUCO market hard right. on the JUCO teams. But now teams are kind of slowing down. And not only that, but a lot of college teams are building their programs with NFL style development. It's like you would draft players. You have guys like in the system to evaluate talent, especially with the transfer portal and everything else, but we've never seen a closer assimilation than college football and the pros right now. Right, yeah. I mean, because essentially now the transfer portal acts like a de facto free agency. When you you never really had that before. Before it was you had to recruit and you had to keep guys on your roster and it was really hard for them to transfer. So basically once you got players on your roster, they were on your roster. And the thing is, they'll find you anyway. Like Michael Penix, he's he's a big-time quarterback out at Washington, transferred from Indiana. Yeah, Bo Nix transferred from Auburn to Oregon, and a lot of people talk about his pro prospects and everything else going forward. So that's kind of where we sit with a lot of these guys. It doesn't matter where you play; they'll find you. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter at all where you play; uh, they'll find you. We'll talk about receivers here. You know, oh, by the way, or uh, what's today's date? The twenty sixth. Yeah, it's we're cutting this podcast. Uh, training camp starts less than a month from today. Right. I think the, the uh, first practice the is twenty first. Yeah, yeah, first practice is the 23rd, right? 23rd is when the team yeah. gets together and practices. And then we have, the, what, the first uh, preseason game, the 16th of August, against the Saints. Yeah. So we're close. We're like, what, 11 weeks away uh, from uh, pro football. So we're close, Chris. We're close. We should make it through June and July. I wanted to start off with this today, though. We'll talk about wide receivers here in a minute because I do think it's fascinating because I do think this is where all the attention will be in the draft this year because this year was, quote, not the draft to get wide receivers, although I'm not really buying it because I think some of these guys are studs. There's always don't sleep one. on Jackson Smith. Yeah, it's like you didn't want to finish his name. <laughs> you actually got it right. You, you've been avoiding the, the last part of his name, though. Hey, man, just get it right. <laughs> I do. I do think that this class is underrated as far as receivers go. And Quentin Johnston's doing yeah. well in, in Chargers, so it's yeah. going to be interesting. I think again, I said it before. I think a lot of the talent comes where Rasheed Rice was drafted. That whole, like, second, third round, stuff like that. I can say, okay, maybe the fifth through tenth wide receiver taking this year's draft are going to be good as one and four. Right. 
Yeah, no, there's there's going to, there's going to be some issues. I think there with, with some of these guys getting you know acclimated to the NFL level because a lot of these guys kind of projected as slot receiver types. And like nowadays, there's so many teams that that are very creative with their slot receivers that a slot receiver can act like a number one. I mean, we saw it for for many years with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman in New England. Uh, so you can have success from that role. It's not it's not like. Uh, you have to play on the outside to be a good receiver in this league or be one of the top receivers in this league. I mean, Tyreek Hill lined up in the slot position a ton when he was with the Chiefs. Uh, it's just there's going to be an acclimation there because teams, you know, you're facing more physical corners, bigger corners at this at the professional level as opposed to the collegiate level. For a so. defensive guy, I think Pete Carroll does an amazing job with that slot uh, oh, yeah. receivers on, oh, he does on great his job. football team. And Andy Reid wants the slot receivers play slot inside and outside. He doesn't want to pigeonhole you right. into one role. Or, or the other. So, again, I, I think there was a lot of attention and people had some intrepidation on some of these receivers this year. I think it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, like, obviously, there's going to be a receiver going number two next year in the draft in Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, he appears to be the real deal right behind Caleb Yeah, we'll Williams. see. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out once the season goes One along. position that is getting kind of slided, and I used to be big time into this position, and we've seen a lot of college talent because there used to be a big difference between pro and on college offenses. That's why the Stanford quarterbacks, like Andrew Luck, when he came out in the draft, is like, well, they, they run a pro-style system at Stanford. And that was attractive, you know, I-formation, pro-set formations, whatever formation, a pro-formation. But now colleges are wide open. They're running exactly like the NFL is doing. And because before the NFL didn't do this stuff. Like Louisiana Tech's of the world ran this stuff. Didn't necessarily do it in the NFL, but now they are. It's why the, the, uh, Andy Reid, uh, when, when uh, Brett Veach was on with uh, Pat McAfee, said that Andy Reid goes back and watches college film. What are they doing? Because the NFL does copy off college football, and college football copies off the NFL. It is an endless cycle. But but running back positions, a lot of the good talents go in the wide receiver. Listen, the money's better. Um, when you get tagged, it's better. Um, getting second contracts with a team is a whole lot, um, a whole lot more advantageous than running backs being the one and done with different football teams or Saquon Barkley having to fight, you know, to try to get that next contract with the Giants or the Chiefs maybe parting ways with Clyde. Melvin Gordon, who did uh, play for the Chiefs, or well, he didn't really play for the but he was on the Chiefs. He was that on way. the team. He was on the team. And he said uh, with Jim Rome, quote, it's just so tough for running backs right now, man. You have a lot of running backs out there, and we just get no love. It's literally the worst position to play in the NFL right now. It really sucks. And that's for Melvin Gordon. And that's kind of the truth. It's kind of like Odell Beckham. They talk about how good a running back he could have been at LSU had he been a running back instead of a wide receiver. But all this all this talent, Chris, is if you can make people miss and you're fast, you go to wide receiver. And instead of running back, listen, it's it's considered a dime a dozen position in the NFL. We've already seen uh, the fullback role completely change the NFL. Playing, playing running back in the NFL is about catching the football. It's about being that extra blocker for the quarterback it has just changed so much that you can take a seventh-round running back like Isaiah Pacheco and win a Super Bowl. Well, I think the biggest change is is the size difference. If you go back and look at a lot of these running backs that were successful in the 70s, 80s, 90s, they were huge. Like, they were basically fullbacks, a lot of these guys. You know, you look at, look at these guys like, oh, six foot plus, 220 plus pounds. Some of these guys are 230, 240. 
I mean, Derrick Henry would fit in perfectly with the running backs from 30, 40 years ago. Old school Earl Campbell. Yeah, just being able to just bulldoze through guys. But they had quick feed and they had great agility and good top-end speed. And so they were able to succeed with all of that. But they were bigger, stronger than they are now. Nowadays, the position's gotten smaller. The durability's become a big issue. Now, I mean, once you reach, what, 27, 28 years old, you start going downhill at that point because you have so much wear and tear from your college days and from your professional days with all those touches you're getting that you now have like easily twice as much wear and tear as a, a wide receiver does. Because if you're a top-end wide receiver, you're getting targeted, what, like eight to ten times a game, and you're catching the ball, what, seven to ten times a game. And in that time span, you're taking hits on, let's say, like, Let's say you're taking like six, seven hits a game, like actual hits from tackles and whatnot. If you are a running back and you carry the ball 15 times, you're getting hit almost every single time, plus every time you catch the ball too. So you got a lot more wear and tear on your body. You're running the ball a lot more. And the hits you're taking as a running back are, are much more devastating than they are as a running back because you're getting hit by guys that are huge, linemen, linebackers. Sometimes you're getting gang tackled. So that wear and tear is going to get on there. And when you're a smaller player, when you're five foot ten, five foot eleven, uh, 180 pounds, 190 pounds, that wear and tear is going to going to going to be much worse for you. And eventually, you fall off because there's not a lot of offense in the NFL. Cruz, if you look at it and say, okay, what offenses are predicated by the running game? I'd say by far and away, it's Derrick Henry and the Titans. How he goes, the Titans go. I mean, the and you Ravens can't really say that about a lot of teams. The Ravens have been a run focused team for a while, but even they, they set a record what three years ago running the football right. As but, a team, but but the big thing though is that there's not very many teams that have like a true feature back. Nowadays, teams are starting to go with a committee approach. Yeah. And, and it is interesting they threw fifteen, eighteen million dollars at Odell Beckham exactly. for a running team. Yeah, well, because they're trying to get away from that because <laughs> they, they fired Greg Williams. <laughs> I mean, Greg Roman actually. But I mean, the whole thing, the whole premise of the Derrick Henry because. Teams are finding out if you use one guy like that, you don't go very far. But now with the elite quarterbacks, the way the quarterbacks are moving around, Caleb Williams coming out of USC will be the number one pick in this next year's draft, can run, can throw, can do everything. Now teams want these type of quarterbacks. They do. Right. This is what you want. in quarterback. Being, being 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Can you move in the pocket? Are you fluid? But now teams, it's running backs dime a dozen. They'll take an undrafted guy and throw him in. They'll take an Arian Foster, not drafted, throw him in there, and they'll run the football effectively. You don't need necessarily to go to first round. Even like a Saquon Barkley, as talented as he is, the Giants are predicated by how Daniel Jones goes. Yeah, Like that team goes how their quarterback Daniel Jones goes, and they want to throw the ball a lot more. But I think a lot of times you pigeonhole yourself as an NFL team if you rely strictly on the running game. And we've seen so many of these, again, we've seen these these running backs that can play wide receiver, Okay, they're just wide receivers now, not running backs. And, like, from a schematic standpoint, teams have kind of figured out a formula to be able to, to slow the run down early in on drives to force teams to have to throw the football. Because, like, I, I've watched I watch a lot of – a ton of, um, like, football strategy stuff on YouTube and whatnot. And one of the things that a lot of teams have been doing really since – the Tampa two days with Monty Kiffin at 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 uh, at, uh, at with the Buccaneers is that they ran a lot of cover three early on downs because you get that extra man in the box. You got eight guys in the box because safety comes up and plays short you know, middle coverage, and that means that you've got 
eight guys in the box, and you're going to be able to be plus in terms of block, you know, blocking schemes and whatnot. You're going to be able to shut down the run. And so teams have not quite been as effective running football early in downs from those more tightly packed situations. That's why teams are running the are passing the football a lot more now. They they used to like first down you run the football in first down, and it's frustrating for us because like we see the Chiefs throw the football in first down, and it's like second and long, and then they run it on second down, and it's frustrating. But from a statistical standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, it makes sense to run on second down because you're gonna face a two safety front as opposed to a one safety front from uh, from coverage because it's going to be more likely cover two or Tampa two. And we've seen like so many that. hybrid guys like Shamari Connor, who's drafted by the Chiefs. They, you know, he led he leads Virginia Tech in sacks in 2019. Yeah, because they blitz all the time. A lot of defensive backs leading their team in sacks. But yeah. This is the new NFL. This is the new college football. It's about tight ends that can play corner. Can you play corner? And I think Honey Badger was part of this too. Guys that can play corner, can play safety. And then you throw him in there. How well can you blitz? He was the epitome of what all that is. And teams want that. Teams want what Chris Jones is. Can you play inside? Can you play outside? Like a minute who that they brought in for the Fort Anners. He plays inside and plays outside and does not both. This versatility is not just like an Andy Reid thing. This is what all teams are wanting is, is to be more versatile. And you're right. You're not seeing a lot of the stacked boxes right now. There's no reason to stack boxes. It's about stopping like these quarterbacks. Teams so are doing the job it. on quarterbacks has become even tougher now yeah, like because team, you're not stacking. Yeah, teams will stack early, and then later on, they don't. They know they don't need to. Like second down, you know you don't need to. Third down, you know you don't need to. Like unless it's like third and short, you know a team is likely to run in that situation. You're not going to stack the box. Like teams are playing for the pass, and because there has been a precedent set with teams playing the run on first down, teams like the Chiefs have found ways to throw the football there. And now that's kind of just the mentality now. Everyone, you know, yeah. we always say this. The best teams create the meta for that sport that they're in. And the Chiefs have set that meta for the NFL, and this is just what it is. Teams aren't going to run the football as much. There's some good uh, defensive coordinators out there, clearly. But the hot commodities of those great offensive minds, the hot commodities of Lincoln Riley's of the world that are creative offense, it's about putting pressure on defenses. This is where we're at. This is where we're at in 2023. Will they get back to the maybe defensive-oriented? Maybe. But right now, it's about how well you can relate to a quarterback, and that's been the big concern with with, with the with, with former receivers and everything. Look at it, said in quarterbacks. Well, can the coach deal with the quarterback? Because the coach has to be on the same page as a quarterback. We see it all the time in, in college football, and especially some of these transfers, like I mentioned, Penix earlier, and and, and Bo Nix that went from Auburn uh, to Oregon. So that's the running back situation. Then Eric Prince, uh, if we want to look at the Kansas City Chiefs, this is an undrafted free agent, and really getting not drafted this year. We saw it all across the NFL this year. These undrafted free agents made more money than seventh-round picks. They just did. With the way the teams were throwing money at them, it behooved players not to be picked in the seventh round. That's always thought seventh-round picks are high commodities in the NFL. And when teams trade them, you say, oh, big deal, it's a seventh-round pick. Well, Chiefs had a seventh-round corner, and Jalen Watson had two interceptions in the postseason. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round pick. But not only that, you can pick a player, he's on your team, you don't have to fight for him and recruit him, and you can save money on him than undrafted free agents. Okay? That's one thing where guys want that, but Eric Prince, a guy that really showed out the combine, running back for the Chiefs, that they really have a lot of faith in, he kind of fits that mold for the Chiefs, but they had to pay him. Yeah, I mean, we brought this up after we saw the amount of money that he got in terms of guarantees. It was not normal for an undrafted player. 
Most undrafted players don't get a whole lot of guaranteed 2023, money. 2023, man. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot of guaranteed money because in all likelihood you're probably not going to make the roster. And so at that point it's like, okay, we don't want to give you too much money when we cut you. But the Chiefs gave him a, a fair bit amount of money. I think the Chiefs viewed him like a draft pick. I think they did. I, I think they, they kind of, you know, like in, in, in baseball, where like when you draft a player, uh, each position, that, like whatever slot you draft a player in, there's a certain amount of money for that slot that you can pay that, that player in like a bonus. You know, so all those guys who are drafted in like the first round of the of the draft get bonuses on top of their minor league contracts, and you got to negotiate with the player and their agent for however much it is, and based on whatever is slotted, you can go over that, but there's a penalty if you go over it by like fifteen percent or something like that. So you got to be really careful about that. Um, but it's kind of like that too. There's no limits to the money you can spend. You obviously you're financial situation is your constraints but it is interesting to see a lot of these undrafted guys don't get that much money so for the Chiefs to go out there and spend that kind of money they clearly value Daenerys Prince some of them are now though some of them are but but again it's because for a lot of these guys it's like a team like we actually don't want to draft you we 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 actually want we there's other guys that we want to draft but we want to lure you to our team because we really think you can make the team. And because of that, we're going to guarantee you more money than we normally the would. The seventh round is full of guys that are probably UDFAs. The teams did not want to fight for. Oh, yeah. And they threw a dart and said, no, you got to come to camp. And that's, and that's exactly the reason why. I, like, I, the only time I I'm think. I'm surprised that she, she didn't show much at your Prince because they didn't want to scare. They didn't want to lose him. Yeah. They, oh, the Chiefs want him, huh? Yeah. I think I think the big thing was that the Chiefs were like, hey, let's get someone else in the seventh round that we'll take a chance on. Because, like, again, it's going to cost less. In that case, they were like, hey, we can we can go out and we can afford to spend money on Daenerys, but we're going to spend less on this seventh-round pick. So if this seventh-round pick doesn't pan out, it's fine because we're going to get this guy that we actually really, really like. And we'll get we'll have another guy. We'll have essentially another lottery pick from the draft that we can use, and maybe we hit on that, and we can kind of get two for one there. So it, it makes sense. I mean, it's you know in, in that situation, you would take someone that you would not sign, that you would not put a bunch of money out there for as an undrafted free agent. So it makes a lot of sense. Another big story across football is DeAndre Hopkins, because I, I personally think DeAndre Hopkins, in a way, kind of. Uh, Changed teams' draft charts when they thought there was a chance to get him. Maybe. I, I think the Beckham clearly did a reverence. I, I think the Chiefs and Bills were the teams that tried to trade for him before the draft. Then the Chiefs went in the chess mode. Okay, we know you're going to cut. We even talked about on character concerns before the draft. Hey, they're going to they're cut him. They're going to cut him. He visits the Titans. Um, he visits the Patriots. That would be against what he's been saying. Give me with a quarterback. Give me a team that's poised to win. All those things are off the table, but does desperation in finances breed signing somewhere, or does he hold out? Because here's the thing, and I think NFL teams will get to camp, and I think they're we'll look around. What do we have in the wide receiver room? And for the Chiefs, it's about inexperience because the only shiny new toy they brought in, yes, they brought in Richie James, but the only shiny new toy they went out and really got through the draft was Rasheed Rice. That was the shiny toy uh, that they brought in, which – DeAndre Hopkins is a big domino to me because to way they're kind of looking at Chris Jones. 
Like if the Chiefs, and he knows that. Okay, if once the Chiefs pay Chris Jones, they have the money to go pay DeAndre Hopkins. They could go do this. And I don't think the Chiefs do it unless they get there and say, you know what, we really need that veteran presence. We, you know, we're okay with our wide receivers. We really need it, but it does change the order. And actually, who makes this football team for the Chiefs? It, that's a huge domino effect if the Chiefs go that direction. But then there's the whole, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins, I think he ends up at a place like Kansas City. I think he's waiting for training camp to start. He didn't want to be there the first day of training camp. He wants to win. I do feel he'll end up with the team like the Chiefs, not the Titans or the Patriots. So here's what I think he's trying to do. And we've talked about this before. I think that a lot of these players take pride in the amount of money they're being paid on their contracts. That's a pride thing. And he saw Odell Beckham Jr. give $15 million. And I, in his mind, and he's probably got his agent talking to him too because his agent gets a cut of that I mean, money. Like Tyreek saw Devontae? He's like, because <laughs> I, I guarantee you this 100% happened with Tyreek. Yeah, 100%. Drew Rosenhaus was in his ear like, hey, man, you're the best receiver in the league. You, should get, you, should, get, you should get more money than Devontae. <laughs> so if the Chiefs won't give it to you, you need to get it from somebody. And then he ends up in Miami, which I'm sure he was cool with because he's got a home there. He lived there before. So, you know, it's one of the places he spends a lot of time in offseason. So it worked out for him. Uh, he obviously sharks the other day, by the way. He said what? Drew Rosenhaus and Tyreek, they were out there with sharks the other day. Yeah, I mean – Tyreek Tyre might be a little trouble here. I'd stay away from sharks. Man. Might be That'd a little be trouble contract. here. Stay away from sharks, man. Go but ahead. uh, but the big thing, I think, with with Hopkins, Hopkins wants to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to get a contract similar to OBJ, if not more. But he also wants to play for a contender. And so I think these visits that he had with the Patriots and with the Titans is all about sending a message that, hey, I'll sign a contract with a team that's not going to compete but can still pay me a good salary. And that's dried up too, hasn't it? And I, I think mean, it has. one after another. And it's, that's it. Man. And I think it has. That's been it. I don't, like, this, it, when you get to this stage of free agency, this stage of the offseason, there's not a lot of money to pass out. There's just not. Now, the Chiefs could feasibly pass some money out if they were to get uh, an extension done with Chris Jones and create some cap space so that they could sign him. They could feasibly do that, and they could do like a one-year or two-year deal, 15, 18 a year, and you know, now you've got one of the best receivers in the league. But here's the issue, and I think this is what it's going to come down to. Hopkins is going to have to make a choice between money or winning a championship or competing for a championship. It's going to be one of those two things because once you have – if you have to sign a contract with a team – by June, you're probably not getting big money. Those big money contracts, they happen in April. They happen in March, actually. Not Seeing April. his is the biggest fish out there. Yeah. I mean, seriously, those big contracts happen in March. If he was a free agent, yep. he absolutely would have gotten the kind of money that Which he wanted. Which is not fair because if, if so, people would be throwing money. Yeah. Like people, in like, the bidding war. He wants people to be in a bidding war. But like I think cheese, the bills. and. But I think in this scenario, the Cardinals kind of... I think the Cardinals are a little ornery a little bit about this whole situation <laughs> because they could have just cut him months ago. Yeah. They could have cut him before the draft. They could have cut him in March because you said it. I said it. I was like, they're going to cut him at some point. They waited until, what was it? Was it May? Like early May before they cut Took him? Took the hit this year, stick a tank basically. Yeah. Next year. So they were like, they could have take, they could have cut him a while ago. They, and, and instead, they waited, they waited until it was actually late May. That they, they got rid of him. 
And it's like they waited so long to get rid of him. And now he's in a position where he probably isn't going to be able to get the kind of money that he wants. I mean, even OBJ got his money right around the draft. It, it will be interesting. Teams are saying the right things. But I know when the Chiefs want something, they usually get it. They do. Because you can go back and, you know, like get an extra pass rusher when they end up with Terrell Suggs, you know, a couple years ago when they, when they, when they ended up with Terrell. And they wanted Juju. Two years ago, they really wanted that uh, X receiver. They wanted Juju. Didn't get him. But they ended up getting him the next year. When the Chiefs want something, they typically will get it. And I think there's genuine interest there. I don't think that that interest is dissipated. And I think when they get to training camp, they'll look at the receivers they have. And if they feel good with that, okay, they'll move on. But if they want a guy that's proven and they can get him on on the on a one-year deal, not long-term deal, like a D-hop and think, all right, this is the missing piece we have, it could change. Because I'm curious. I know that we're talking about good about the receiver room. We don't really care about the receiver room as much. I say we. I'm using everybody in general. Because you got Patrick Mahomes, which changes things. I am a fan of bringing in a DeAndre Hopkins because I do want to, because he is a better receiver than what they have right now. He's a true number one. We can guess and say, okay, this can be a number one receiver. He is the number one receiver. There's no guessing if he's the number one. He is the number one. And you covet. Can this guy grow into a number You always say this draft pick. Can he grow into a number one? DeAndre Hopkins is a one, and he's still a one for this year. And which kind of leads me into the whole. You know, Kadarius Tony. they want him to be the one, but his injury concern. And something I brought up uh, the drive the other day. You were in, in there with us, Chris, me and CDOT. And CDOT didn't agree with me, but I had said that because uh, we, we talked about this on the show, and I, I've gone back and forth. Rasheed Rice, as a rookie, has more pressure than Sky Moore as a rookie. Not this year, as a rookie. Because MVS came in, Juju came in with Sky Moore, it's okay. You don't have that pressure on you. I know the Chiefs don't ask a ton out of rookie receivers, but he is the new addition. They did subtraction. They lose Juju Smith. Like he is, yes, Richie James came, but he is that coveted player that comes in. Therefore, I think more pressure on him if they don't end up with DeAndre Hopkins. But, but if the Chiefs aren't satisfied with what they have, I do think he could still end up a Chief. So what's the thing that contributes to whether or not a player has pressure on them? I think expectations from the team, what they expect, and and from and from fans, right? Like fans, think, fans contribute to and pressure the team, too. And right? I think the team showed there's genuine interest in Odell because Andy Reid, you know, said hey, Odell's a great player. They didn't poo-poo the thing at all. They showed interest in DeAndre Hopkins. They've showed interest in that. And what I'm saying is, last year they bring in MVS, bring in Juju, two identifiable guys that have played the National Football League. This year, subtraction. You lose Juju. Yes, you brought in Richie James. That's fine. But for the most part, you have what you have. Therefore, if they stay put in what they have, I think they're going to ask for more from Rice this year than what uh, they got from Skymore last year. And he, honestly, if you look at SMU stats, he's got like three times the catches, number two and number three. It went from 96 or 97 with Rice to 37 to 28. That was the pass distribution at SMU. So I don't really care about his production at SMU as it pertains to this year. Completely different system. I just look at how he deals with pressure. My thing is this. I don't think that he has any pressure because I don't think anybody expects him to have a good year. I think everyone is like, okay, we saw what it, we've learned our lesson with these rookie receivers in, in, in Kansas City. And these guys don't, they're not counted on early. They are... Put in a position 
where they can't fail. If that means that they're only going to be a slot receiver, if they're only going to be the third or fourth receiver on the roster, then that's what it means. If it means that they're not going to play very much their rookie year because there's other guys that are better than them, then that's what happens. Here's the problem, though. Right now, Rasheed is a rookie on a team that has every other wide receiver on it that is more than likely going to make the team with at least a year of more experience than he has. Canarius is, you know, was a de facto rookie with the Chiefs last year, but he is going into his third year in the league. He has played in this league for two years already. You have Sky Moore, who has played in this year in this league for a year already. Justin Watson's been, been around the league for a while. Richie James has been around the league for a while. Uh, MVS has been around the league for a while. Rasheed is the only guy, I mean, unless, unless something happens. I mean, even, and even Justin Ross has more experience than him, even though Justin Ross didn't play last year, but he's been in this system and been with this team for a year now. So there's a lot, a lot of people on that team that have a lot more pressure than him. Are people, are people expecting him to? Yeah. No, no, no. Are people expecting him to contribute in a major way? I'm this not year? expecting either wide receiver. You but, say, okay, that's your thousand. But or your guy except that, for Kelsey. But no, no. Are, are you expecting him? Or is there a consensus of people expecting him to be a contributor this year? I think more in a meaningful way. I think more is is going to be asked upon him than Sky Moore's rookie year. Let me throw this at you too. He's also. I mean, how much more? He's also different. But no, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about the tie. I'm okay, just talking about. I know. I understand stylistically. A little bit more. They count on him a little bit more. I thought Sky Moore was. You know, it has to develop and grow more times than that. But I'll say this. Rasheed Rice is also different in body size. He's got something that Sky Moore kind of blended in with the other receivers, except for MVS. Rasheed Rice brings a physicality about him. He's a workout warrior. He can be the next guy, like a Sammy Watkins, do some things like Juju. I just think Rasheed Rice's body size and type is in the Chiefs' wheelhouse. Like, that's the one thing they don't have. The difference between him and Sky this guy kind of blended in with the McColls of the world and guys like that. Rasheed Rice brings a different physicality. But to the is game. there an expectation that he is going to be a major contributor this year? I'm I, not talking about stylistically. I think they're asking. I'm not more talking for about him. what they would like for him to. Do. I'm I talking think about they'll ask more from him than they did Sky last year. Not a ton, but a little bit more. But the problem, though, is do you think there is an expectation from anybody there that he has to be? More productive than Scott. I, I I think the Chiefs would be satisfied with four to five hundred yards from these guys. Do you think they'd be satisfied if they if he gave similar production to what Sky did last I year? I think they want more than that. I do you think so? You don't think they'd be satisfied if he gave whatever's two hundred fifty or whatever he gave it. last? We've seen the do concentration you, no, 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 defensive no, 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 backs. No, 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 no. I'm asking you. Do you think that they would be cool if they if they got the kind of production? If if if, if yes, if he does the other things, the blocking. Can he, can he be like Sammy and be that decoy type of guy? Can he be that tough guy across the middle? Can he do those things? If he does the extra things, the extraneous things, I think that provides Do you to think he's going to get the opportunity to do that, though? I think so. Because I, I right don't. now he's looking at wide receiver four. Because I don't think he's going to give very battling much of an third. opportunity. Because here's the reason why I don't Who think Who do you think's battling for third and fourth? Richie James? Oh, Richie James is going to get way more time than him this year. Way more time. So than him. it's between Sky and and Rasheed Rice for like, number four. I think I I think it's going to be Kadarius. I think it's going to be MVS. I think Richie, and then I think it'll be a battle between Justin Watson, Sky Moore, and uh, and uh, Rasheed. And I I think they'll use Sky more in that situation. 
and then Justin every now and then. I, I just but, think Rashid's advantage is he brings something different. The other yeah, he, do, he does. But the problem, though, is like he's so far behind everyone else. And we know how complicated the system is. Like, yeah, that's nice. You got the measurables that they like. But you're still incredibly inexperienced. He did not play against a bunch of NFL-level talent when no. he was at SMU. And he did not play in He's a great system. He's running into Sky Moore's problem. Yeah, and like, and and the thing is, that that's why Sky Moore didn't get a lot of time on there because he wasn't used to playing against the kind of talent you know, that he played. For him, here. Though, Chris, the owner went to school. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> the the big thing, the big thing though about it for me though is like, the team ran a whole hell of a lot of twelve and thirteen personnel last year. They led the league. They led the league. I mean, seriously, like, I, I, there was a tweet earlier today that I saw that somebody was like, man, I'd love to see a team that, you know, runs out, trots out two tight ends and, and, and wins that way. And, right and this guy named uh, Brett Coleman, who does great, uh, strat- you know, football film videos and whatnot on YouTube, was like, that was the Chiefs last year. <laughs> that was the Chiefs. That and they the won 20- that way. Let me introduce you to the 2022 Chiefs. And that's exactly the thing. is like the Chiefs ran so much 12 and 13 personnel that, you know, if you're doing that, you're only going to have one or two wide receivers on the field anyway. I, I don't so that, think the Chiefs would shy away from DeAndre Hopkins to, to, to bring this full circle. Well, yeah. To they're not going to make sh- a trust. Okay, we'll take some of the pressure off the other guys like Canaries, Tony B. Well, one. yeah, yeah. Here's the, I, I think the Chiefs would really covet somebody like that. I, I do think they would, but like that's my point, though, yeah. in regards to Rasheed is like if they're going to continue to run that kind of system where they're we're only having one or two receivers on the field, well, then Rasheed's not going to get any time because he's got like three or four receivers ahead of him on the depth chart. So it's like <laughs> he's not going to get a ton of opportunity this year. So that's the reason why I'm not – I don't think he has any pressure on him this year because I think it's going to be more so like we just want to see you improve in practice. We want to see you in the film room grinding, in the in the, in the the workout room grinding. We want to see you improve your, your craft. But we're not going to expect you to produce this year because, A, we know our system is incredibly hard for you to learn. And, B, there's just not that many opportunities because stylistically and schematically we got to run more tight ends to counter these defenses. But but Andy Reid has been relying on rookies more and more. Just like when through Creed out there and Trey. I mean, not a receiver, though. That's the one position he has not been relying on receivers He's okay with running backs doing it to Trey. It's slower with receivers. Every position position he does rely on, he's relied on rookies more except for receivers. He wants you to play inside, outside. He wants you to do everything. It's it's a complicated deal, especially with him running the Exactly. And so, like, that's the reason why I'm just not too keen on, like, saying that there's a lot of pressure on on any receivers because it's like that's the only position where he has not, like, said, hey, we'll just – Put a rookie out there and have him play significant well, time. They identified him that football IQ. They 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 singled him out. They wanted Rasheed Rice. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm sure they did, but that doesn't mean that they're they're going to try to get any. They're going to really need anything yeah, out of him. This that year. is a tough debate between him or Sky. I, I just feel with the physicality and just the different sides that he brings. I just I, just, I don't. He's different. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, DeAndre would change everything. We we both can agree on that. Oh, he, oh he, would, he, would, he would move him back in the depth chart you know, significantly. You know what? Justin Ross, the big Justin Ross fan. <laughs> I mean, Rasheed probably wouldn't play very much if Justin Ross is making there. the team. If I mean, I don't think Justin Ross is making this team anyways. I, don't think so I mean, I, I'd name five wide receivers ahead Maybe of Justin Ross play, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the whole Justin Ross thing is, is it, you know what it reminds me of is the whole Tyler Bray situation. Like, if, I don't know if you were, like, if you're part Brian of Brian Shea, if you want to yeah, go back further. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talk, I'm talking about modern times. Yeah. Like, him and Aaron Murray. Modern times. Like, you remember <laughs> when we had, uh, like, when, when Alex Smith was a starting quarterback, yeah. we were like, we need a 
future franchise quarterback. Yeah. Who's the guy we went to? It was it was it was those backups. It was Tyler Bray. It was Mr. Aaron Murray. Mr. Fumble so much we had to yeah. put Mahomes back. We had to put Mahomes back in because he almost fumbled the game away. <laughs> and it was it was like at that point, like we had we were so desperate for a franchise quarterback that wasn't Alex Smith that we just blindly put our hope in. These it was homegrown. Third these these third day quarterbacks. <laughs> Oh man, and but, I and I think that's that to me is kind of what's happening with Justin Ross. I feel like people are taking the same approach they have with the quarterbacks, and they're saying, "Oh, well, Justin Ross was so good when he was at Clemson, so that means that he has to be good at the NFL level." And we're just missing something. All these teams are missing something because he was so good at Clemson, so he has to be good at this level. It's like sometimes it just doesn't translate over. Sometimes genetically you're prone to injuries. Sometimes your body can't withstand the wear and tear of having to train 24-7 to stay in shape and play football. Sometimes it's just not like that, and it seems like that's kind of what it is with Justin Ross. And the one thing is you don't have to see what, uh, when, when David Shaw was at the Stanford, that whole system, because now they all run stuff the NFL teams want. They all they don't care. It doesn't matter where you played. And then one thing I, I do like about it is – and. Uh, Washington tried this with RG3 a little bit. All right, what made it successful at Baylor? It worked. What kind of plays did he work it and worked. run there? And that kind of set the set it off. But Andy Reid goes, okay, RPOs. We learn everything in the world about RPOs. Like he did it with Chris Holt in the uh, pistol offense. He brought him in here for Nevada. And I do like that. Like, what are they doing? Well, what made him successful in college? He was so successful even Gary Patterson at TCU when he was playing uh, Tech Tech a few years ago when Kingsbury was there. He actually watched Chiefs film to get ready for Texas Tech. Yeah. Mahomes is doing the same thing. Yeah, like all these teams are doing that. And it was funny is like um, after RG3 got hurt in, uh, after the 20, during the playoffs for 2012, the next year they changed their offense and yeah. they tried to make him more of a passing, you know, a pocket passer and it didn't work because yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the system he was used to. What made you successful? Let's do it. Bottom line. Yeah. Well, Chris, we got a few more weeks. We got the 4th of July coming right up here. We're getting ready for training camp. Uh, it's 26. We're going to flip the page of July here real quick. Our next podcast will be in July. We've got just a couple more before training camp. We do character concerns every week uh, when it gets uh, in the football season. And through the well, We haven't done it in football season yet, but for the draft, we did it every, every week. And if breaking news, we'll, I'm sure Chris and I will come in and, uh, and we'll talk to breaking news. But every, uh, every Tuesday, we go character concerns, but we're doing every other week until we kind of uh, – Till we get, get to college season. Yeah, college football. We look at a lot of college prospects. Yeah, once we get to college season, we're going to really hamper down, talk a lot of prospects, talk about performance of some of these guys. I mean, there's there's so much to digest, and we'll keep you all informed on that. And then, obviously, once we get to draft season, it's heavy on Chiefs draft, heavy on the, the top performers there, guys to, to look out for in the first round. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this time now – it's going to be us watching a lot of college football once it starts up here in a, in a month and a half. And then we really buckle down and get on that evaluation process once it starts up here. Pro Football Network zero. has us taking Leonard Taylor, defensive tackle Miami. They're not, they're going, they're going on. Okay. Well, I know we need to close this, but okay. Seven of 10 draft picks were on defense two years ago. Five of seven this past year. You say that, but then it's they'll time take to a, get some offense, Chris. I'm I'm actually fine with it. I'm fine I'll with it. it I'll, I'll be I'll be because like I think this is going to be a better receiver class. So I'm cool with them if they feel like, hey, this is a can't miss defensive tackle. 
I'm cool with them waiting for the second round there. Xavier Worthy, Texas. I like I like the kid. I I, I like Worthy, but I I think I just think there's there's right now it's kind of hard to project him who who's going to go in the first round. I put together, uh, you know, I put together like like watch lists for players he in different position small. groups, and it's just too is is too early to do that because we haven't even seen these guys play again this year, and and so. Right now, the evaluation process is so early. You can put together your watch list. I know I've put together mines for 2023. I'm sure you are going to put one together if you haven't already. I'm going to look at 25 mocks, man. I'm not looking at 25 mocks. That's too early. Okay. That's why I'm not married. I'll I'll look at 25 mocks after the draft. That's why I'm not married. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of date night, you decide to look at some 2025 mocks. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you enjoyed uh, Character Concerns this week. Chris Inocero, Jay Binkley. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. And uh, check out our podcast from uh, last year's draft season. You can go back and listen to them because I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we appreciate you guys listening to us. We'll catch yeah, you next 100%. time. Yeah, 100%. See you in a couple weeks.